we're delighted that you're here today. Delighted that you came wherever you came from. We're glad you're here. And we just hope that the power and the presence of the Lord ministers to you and, and gives you what you need. We all have needs, and God knows what they are. And uh, I'm glad that he uh, takes care of us in those times. We're going to take a little journey today um, before we get started, but I just wanted to share that with you. We have another preacher on the other end of the room over there. She's about this big. We're going to take a journey today. <clears throat> Everything has a beginning. The only thing that doesn't have a beginning is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Are we okay with that? Okay, they've always been. But we're going to share with you this morning about Easter. So uh, let's get started together. And we, this message is entitled, The Covenant of the Blood. Amen? Go to Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. We're going to have a lot of scriptures this morning. And we're going to take some journeys along the way to get to the New Testament and what we call Easter. Okay? Now, Genesis chapter 17, the first eight verses. When Abraham was 99 years old, wow, he's an old guy. Anybody here 99? I'm close, but not, not quite. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. I have made you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you. I'll establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Before chapter 17 of Genesis, we find that God has already called on Abraham four times. And I'll just throw them in so that you can go on, check it for yourself. Chapter 12, two times. And then chapter 12, Abe is 75 years old, okay? Chapter 13, chapter 15, and now we're in chapter 17. And it took 25 years from his first meeting with God, it took 25 years to get Abe ready for a covenant of blood. Question. By the way, those of you who are visiting, we have some things that we do in this church when we talk about Scripture. We read the Bible slowly. We take, we ask, we read between, we dig with our little, and we look for attitude. Okay, you need to do that today. You need to do that, okay? So I have a question. How long have we been waiting for the blessings of God to change our future? What goes on in your life? What are you looking for? What are you hoping for? What are you praying for? And why are you praying for it? You certainly have a reason. I know you have a reason, and you should. Don't stop praying. It took 25 years for God to get Abraham in the spot where God wanted him so that, that God could begin to share with him how he could use him for things that were going to come down in the future. So God introduces himself. <laughs> Does anybody believe that God has an attitude? Come on, come on, say amen. amen. I am God Almighty, Rick. Can, can you hear him? I hear him. This is not, hey, Rick, how you doing? Can we go to Starbucks, get a cup of coffee? I'd like to talk to you. No, that's not God. I am God Almighty He's dealing with his own authority. He's dealing with who he is. And he's demanding that Abraham recognizes his authority and who he is. 
Let me tell you something. If God's going to use you and me and this church for anything, He's going to demand that we understand His authority. Walk before me, Abe, because I'm watching you. Walk before me and be blameless. Please note, he did not say be perfect. Now, we all know there's only one perfect room, one perfect person in this room. Is that right? I don't see her. Where is she? She didn't come today. He didn't say walk before me and be perfect, Jacob. He said walk before me and be blameless. There's a reason why he said that, and there's a purpose to the word blameless. Blameless means you've been given a job. Blameless means you have integrity. Blameless means you understand what's going on. Blameless means that you produced what you were asked to produce, and that's what God is saying to Abraham. He said, I don't expect you to be perfect. There's nobody perfect, but I'm going to give you a job. How many times have you said, people, for those of you who have hired people to work for you, wow, Jack, man, that, you did a great job, Jack. Wow, that's blameless. I mean, I love that. How many times have you seen people who have accomplished what they were asked to accomplish, and when it was all done, you went, oh, man, what a job that was. That's what God is saying to Abraham. Walk before me. Walk before me. I'm going to watch you. Walk before me. Be complete. Get the job done. Because I am going to be watching you. And he said to him, I've got a covenant. Please note, it is God's covenant. It is not Abraham's covenant. You do not have a covenant that you should ask God to sign. Sorry, AJ. Rip up that covenant that you wrote. It is God who writes the covenant with your name on it. It is God who says, I know who you are, Lucas. Brother, I know what you can do. Throw away your pen, Lucas, because God is writing the covenant. And he's got you involved because he knows who you are. He knows what you can do because he's calling you to do something that will be everlasting for him. It is my covenant. It is not your covenant. And it'll be between me and you. See, God was was not good in the English class in high school. He shouldn't be saying, you know, this covenant is between you and me. No. He's he's saying this covenant is between me and you. You're not supposed to do that. Any English teachers here? I was going to be an English teacher. That's the wrong sentence. The covenant, he said, is between me and you. I've got control of the covenant. I have written this covenant. It's between you and me. And I need you to note something. I really, really need you to note. God wrote the fine print of this covenant, not you. Can I let that sink in a minute? We haven't gotten to the covenant yet. But God wrote the fine print in this covenant. And in doing so, God is saying to Abraham, I will multiply you like you can't believe. Remember right now, Abe has no kids. His wife made him go sleep with her handmaiden. They got a kid called Ishmael, but he's, he's not part of the picture. Okay, So I will multiply you. God is promising Abraham God's very best. I need you to grab hold of that. I don't know what you need this morning. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what you're going to go through from this moment forward. But God promises this. Sign this covenant with me and I'll give you my very best. I don't know what you're going through. But I know the God that can help you go through what you're going through. Well, if God promises his very best to you, what does he expect from us? Anything you want to give him? Moderate to good? God God knows who you are. He knows what your talent is. He, He gave it to you. 
He knows what he needs done, and he needs you to do it. So he's saying, I'm going to give you my best, and I expect the same coming from you. Well, okay. Verse 3. I love verse 3. God's talking to him, and while he's talking to him, Abe just falls on his face. Fell on his face. I think that's a good place to be when you're talking to God. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody's awake. If God confronted any one of us, let me tell you where you'd end up on your face, worshiping him. See, now God is getting serious, and now Abraham recognizes that he's getting serious. And God says to him in verse 4 and verse 5, we read it before, but slide it up there again. God says, as for me, my covenant is with you, Micah, and you'll be the father of a multitude of nations. Wait a minute, God, I don't have any kids. How can I be the father of anything when I don't have children? Are you forgetting it's God's covenant? God says, you're going to be the father of a multitude of nations. In verse 7 and 8, I will establish my covenant between you and your descendants after you throughout their generation for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. See, when you gave your heart to the Lord, Rick, he went beyond you. He knew you'd marry her. Now, he told you several times not to do it, but you disobeyed him. <laughs> Somebody say amen. <laughs> and he made the covenant. And he knew who would come down the line with your children. And he knew that the covenant he made with you would extend to your children for a purpose. Because he has something in mind. He had something in mind, and that's why he wanted Abraham. And not just Abraham, but everybody that would follow in his descendant line. Do you think God knows what he's doing? It's going to be everlasting. God does not mess around. And I love what he said to Abe. He said, I will be God to you and to your kids. Does that sound okay? God blessed me and my wife. He's been God to us. He was God to us for 68 years that we were married last August. But he was also God to my, my boys. I have three boys. Dave's the oldest. Dave's a minister. My second is a minister in San Diego. My third is a businessman in Nashville. They all love God. Their wives all love Are you with me? When God says, I've got a purpose for you, He's also dealing with your descendants because he knows who they will be and what their talents would be. Yeah, this is Easter. Yeah, I'm talking about Easter, so hang in there. Don't leave, okay? I will be God to you and to all of you. Question. Do you have any family or friends that resist God? (laughs) What a statement. May I make a suggestion, a serious one? Let God handle them. I know what you'd like to do to some of your kids. You'd like to grab a hold of them right by the neck and, you know, nobody wants to do that in this room, right? No moms and dads are going to plead guilty to that. May I suggest you don't do that? May I suggest you let God grab hold of your kids? Because some things that have to happen in the lives of your children, only God can deal with those issues to the point where they'll change their mind. And every parent in here knows that's a true statement. All right, let me move on. He said, I'm going to be God to you. I'm going to be God to all your kids. And this, and remember this, this is an everlasting covenant. And I'll be God to you all the time. Okay, good. All right, we got, we got the basics now, all right? Great, God wants to do this, 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 and this. All right, good. Well, in verse... I can, I can see Abraham going, hmm. And I hear Abraham saying this, okay, God, what's the covenant? Glad you asked. Verse 10 and 11. God has not mentioned it. He just says, I'm going to have this covenant with you. So, okay, well, we better find out what it is. If you're going to sign the contract, you better know what it says. 
So we go to these two verses, verse 10 verse 11, and we find out what the covenant is. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Are you kidding me? Next verse. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be the sign. Listen to this. It shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. And I'm saying, no way, God. I don't want this covenant. And all the men said, amen. Do you understand what God is doing here? We never deal with the beginning of things. Something has to be the starting point of what God can do down here when it is critical that God brings into reality what's going to happen for all the things you did. I'm going to have a covenant, and it's got to be my way, not yours. I don't like this. Anybody like this covenant? Circumcision? Sign of a covenant between God and me forever? Is it worth it? Is this covenant really worth it? Later on, we'll go to John 3.16, not now. But John 3.16 talks about everlasting life. This covenant is what's going to bring everlasting life down the road. And we don't understand what the covenant is when God says you need to do this because we don't understand what the finished product is. I don't like this. God makes changes, folks, hear me. God makes changes that last forever. Go to verse 22, through 22 through 27. God's given them the covenant. He told them it's between you and me. Here's what it is, circumcision for you and all the men that are with you, in all of your servants. Okay, well, verse 22. When he finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael, that's the son that he had with the, with the handmaiden, his son, and all the servants who were born in his house, and all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's household, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the very same day as God said to him. Now, Abram was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. In the very same day, Abraham was circumcised and Ishmael, his son. All the men of his household who were born in the house or were bought with money, slaves, from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. I don't like this. Can we have another contract, please? Can we rewrite some of it? I have a question for you. Did Abraham have a choice to this covenant? Did he have a choice? Come on. You... Come on, talk to me. Did he? No, did he? I've got this covenant, Rick. Do you have a choice to accept or reject? Do you have that choice? You bet you do. Abraham had the choice to say no, but he didn't. Something about the presence of God in that meeting made Abraham recognize this is God Almighty. Yes, I have a choice, but I'm going to choose to follow the God that has taken his time to come and knock on my door and say, I need you. Did you know that God needs us? Do you understand that? I don't think we do at times, and I don't mean that to be insulting. I'm saying we don't understand what God... God. How many of you have ever had an angel to come into your church as an evangelist? Let me see your hand. Any? No. You've never seen an, an angel come and preach? Do you know why? Because there are no angel preachers. You. I. We are the preachers of the Word of God. That's the covenant we're dealing with. We're dealing with what God knows best for you, with what God knows best for me. Well, okay, let me move. We, I, and I need you to see this, because we're not through. You must see, you must see and feel 
the pain and the agony that these men are going through. And let me tell you why. Because Jesus is going to go through agony on the cross, and it'll be worse than this. This is the beginning of a covenant that will end on the cross. Well, he goes through with it. Fast forward to chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. Everybody's happy right now. <coughs> Sarah's she's delighted. Abraham's pretty happy too. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said. The Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. She's got to have to have a baby. She's, she's barren. Remember, she's barren. Go ahead. So Sarah conceived, bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Abraham, Isaac. When Abraham, when Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abram was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, I love Sarah, <coughs> God has made laughter for me. Not God is making people laugh at me. God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me, not at me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew. He was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Well, everybody's happy. I would be. God, you, you said, give me the covenant. I signed the covenant. I did everything you asked. You, you healed my wife from her barrenness. You healed me. By the way, and, and I do some checking on different things because that's the way my mind works. Just so you understand agony and pain and all that. <clears throat> you can go to Google. Ask the question, how long will it take a grown man to heal if he's been circumcised as a grown man? You know what the answer is? Three to four weeks. They didn't have drugs. They didn't have instruments like doctors have. I need you to see something. I need you to visualize the pain and the agony that they went through because God says, I have a covenant for you. Well, we're happy right now. But let's jump to chapter 22 of Genesis. Now, it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and Abraham, here I, I'm right here, okay? Take now your son, your only son, whom you love. Please note the words in the scripture. They're not there just by happenstance. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Thanks a lot. You just gave me this son. Now you want to take him away from me? What kind of a covenant is this? What are you doing to me? Are you trying to destroy me? The verses say that Abraham loves Isaac. May I make this suggestion to you? Isaac's the father. He loves his son. God is a father and he loves his son. Hello, we're talking about Easter, and we haven't gotten to the New Testament yet. Abraham loved his son Isaac, and he represents the love that God has for his son Jesus, who will someday be as bloody or more than what we've just discovered here. And he's talking to Abraham, he's, he's testing Abraham, it says so. He's testing him. Abraham has to believe that God has given him something worthy of his being obedient Go to, chapter, go to verse 7 in chapter 22. Verse 7 and verse 8. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father. They've taken the journey up to the mountain. And he said, my father? He says, here I am, son. He said, you know, dad, I, we got the wood. We got the fire. I brought it up. I carried it because you're too old to do that stuff. And all the men said, hey, never mind. We've got the wood. We've got the fire. Where is the lamb to use for the burnt offering. And what does 
Abraham say to his boy, who's 13 years old, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Now, can I put you in Isaac's shoes for a moment? That boy's not dumb. He's helped put that altar together. He's helped bring the wood. He knows what's going to happen. We're going to put fire under that wood, and something has to be offered as a sacrifice. And the son is asking, Daddy, Daddy, well, where's the the lamb? Where's the lamb? And Daddy looks at him and says, God will provide. When is the last time you looked at somebody and you had no clue, but the only answer you had was, God will provide? You see something happening on the cross? God will provide? God will provide. Well, my question is, you know I have a bunch of questions. Do you believe God will provide? For you. I don't know what you need. I don't know what your circumstances. I don't know the covenant that God wants to make with you. But do you believe when God signs that covenant with you, he will provide? Somebody needs to say amen. You need to know that if you're going to make a covenant with God, he will stand behind it. What's the use of a covenant? What's the use of a contract if it's no good, if you can't trust the person who put it together? God will provide, son. God will provide. So in chapter 22, where we are, verses 11 through 19 are very, very important. Extremely important. Listen to the words. The angel of the Lord, let me stop right there. In the Old Testament, when you see the phrase, the angel, not an angel. But when you see the phrase, the angel of the Lord, all theologians will tell you it is a reference to Jesus Christ before he was ever born. Are are we okay? Is my theology all right? The angel of the Lord Jesus called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, like he always does, here I am. Jesus, the angel, don't stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. You just told me to sacrifice him. I know. I know what I told you. I know. But don't stretch out your hand against him. Do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. Abraham went, took the ram, offered him up a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place for the Lord. He called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said in this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel, Jesus, of the Lord, called Abraham a second time from heaven. And he said, by myself, this is Jesus, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, I indeed will greatly bless you. I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as to the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed, all these people that are going to come out of you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Verse 19, so Abraham returned to the young men. They rose, went down to Bathsheba, and Abraham lived. And let me tell you something. You have any idea what happened in that mountain with God? And with Abraham, not, not just Isaac. Do you have any idea what, the, what now the covenant may, meant to Abraham? He made the covenant, you know, 13, 14 years before when Abraham was 100 and, and Isaac was just born. He didn't know what was going to happen through those 13 or 14 years until that day that it happened. And God said he would provide and God did provide. What is it that you need in your life right now that God needs to provide for you? And are you ready, are you willing to say, God, I'll believe you. You will provide. And God said, I'll swear by myself. 
I don't know if you understand that phrase. Rick and I decided to do something together. He's got the talent for that. I've got the talent for whatever. And so we grab each other's hand, Rick, and we shake hands on it. We look at each other in the eye. You got my word, Rick. And Rick says to me, Rudy, you got my word. Okay. God gave his word to Abraham. His word. That he, God, would make sure that this thing would turn out right. Divine provision. God swore by himself to provide everything that this man needed. I need to move on because now Isaac is born. Isaac has a, a wife named Rebecca. They have two sons. One of them is a Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. Each son will be the head of a tribe. 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. See, we don't have a nation until right now. There was no nation of Israel until God brought Sarah and Abraham together, went through the circumcision bloody stuff, healed her. They had Isaac, and Isaac is the firstborn Jew. Now we have a nation. Now Isaac and Rebekah have two sons. Jacob has 12. One of them is Judah. Remember the song? The lion of Judah shall Break every chain and give us the... Vi- Jesus comes through the Lion of Judah. Levi is part of, of, of uh, Jacob's son. He becomes the priest. Joseph is one of the sons. And it is Joseph who saves the entire nation of Israel. Genesis. Where dad comes down with all the kids and all their wives and everything. And he comes down to, to Egypt because there's food in Egypt. And Joseph says, get them all down here. And the Bible tells you in Genesis that 70 people showed up. There were only 70 people in the nation of Israel when they went down to Egypt for, with, to Joseph. And when they left 400 years later at the Exodus, they say that between 2 and 2.5 million Jews left Egypt. I've got a covenant, God said. Are you still with me? Because we haven't gotten to the New Testament. I've got a covenant. Okay. In Genesis, we also find that Jacob gets a name change. I love this. God said, I know who you were, Jake. I understand. You were a supplanter. You were a thief. You were a liar. But I don't want you to, to look at yourself that way anymore. I'm going to change your name from Jacob to Israel. The name of the nation. Abraham, Isaac, not Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. We now have a nation. You can't have Easter without a nation. Well, okay, I need to move on. I need you to go to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, because now we're going to leave the Old Testament and see what's going on with what God is putting together because we're getting closer to the New Testament where Jesus will be born. And here's what the prophet says to the, to the nation of Israel. A child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There'll be no end. What did God say to Abe? My covenant is everlasting, forever. There'll be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Now, Isaiah prophesies to the nation of Israel that there's still another step that's right in front of them and they're going to see that step because a son is going to be born. And it all started in chapter 17 of Genesis. Well, now we go to the New Testament, Luke chapter 1. It is critical that you see this journey that we've been taking. Okay? So that we get from point A to point B. You know the story, but sometimes, like I say, we read too quickly. It's Gabriel coming to the Virgin Mary. And just let me read it to you, and then we'll digest it. In the sixth month, 
The angel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he, Gabriel, the angel, said to her, Greetings, favored one. When's the last time an angel came to you and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed by the statement and kept pondering what kind of situation or salutation was this. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Oh, please, 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 come and talk to me, God. Tell me that I've found favor with you. Tell me that you know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen next week, but you do. Tell me there's enough favor coming down from you that no matter what's over here for next week, you are there because you have a covenant. You've made a covenant with me. Don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Next. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you'll bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of who? who? J- J- Jacob. Israel. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel... How can this be, since I am a virgin? Understandably. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, get lost, dude. I don't believe a thing you say. You ever said that to God? You must be joking, God. Can't do this. Mary said, behold, the bondservant of the Lord may be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed. The first thing that Gabe said to her is, Mary, you're favored. Is it possible? Come on, folk, be real with me. Is it possible that we have found Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior? We've said yes to him. We've asked, us, we've asked him to forgive us. Is it possible that we have found favor with God? And that favor should be used in our life for means that will promote God, not only in our lives, but to lives that we can touch others with what God has done for us. He said, you found favor. Don't be afraid. And we are afraid at times. We are. I know that. You know that. Don't be afraid. God is with you. You're going to conceive. You're going to have a baby. You're going to call. He's telling her everything. You're going to call him Jesus. He's going to be the son of the most high. He's going to be on the throne. He's going to be a king forever. There's not going to be any end to his kingdom. And she's going, how's this going to happen? Oh, that's easy. You're going to get a visit from the Holy Spirit. You're going to call him the Son of God. You're going to call him Jesus. He says, because nothing is impossible with God. I have a question. Do we know the Holy Spirit? Or are you afraid to become acquainted with him? And I mean that respectfully. I'm not talking about spilling off in tongues. I am a fully baptized in the Holy Spirit, tongue-talking Italian preacher. But that's not what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit, he says, is coming. That Holy Spirit is going to cover you. That Holy Spirit is going to make a deposit in your life that you could never believe would ever happen. Do you know the Holy Spirit for the reason you need to know the Holy Spirit? We're not talking about having babies anymore. But what is going on inside you that needs to give birth to something? Do you know the one that can help you give birth to that? He's called the Holy Spirit. 
God shared something with me last night, last night as I was going over my notes. And I wrote it down in pen. And this is what he shared with me. He said, Rudy, there's going to be someone in church tomorrow that needs to know this now about the Holy Spirit. Nothing is impossible. I don't know who you are. I don't. You didn't, you didn't give me a phone call. I didn't give you one. No one said, hey, you know. No. But God shared that with me while I was going over my notes. That someone in this room right now needs to understand that you need to have this meeting with the Holy Spirit to provide in your life that spiritual baby that will take you from a position of nothing to a great position of something wonderful in the realm of God. I don't know who you are. But after the service, I'd love to pray with you if you want me to. Mary's response, let's do it. Doesn't this sound a little bit like Abe way back in Genesis? Abe did not give, get, get a, give God a fight. He said, let's do it. Mary does not know where this submission to God will take her. She doesn't know. She has no clue. She's 16 years old, approximately. But she said, let's do it. I believe in you. I believe in you. What happens when we submit to the will of God? New hope. What happens when this church decides to submit to the will of God? Blessed. Enlarged. We're not looking for a large church just to go around and say, do you know how big our church is? Please. I think you know me better. That I still remember what I said to you a couple of three years ago when we first came out here with my wife. I looked you in the eye. I remember this. And I said, this church, this church, because of its love, has the potential in this community, the three communities, of being a church of 500 people. Do you think I make statements lightly? Those of you who know me know the answer to that. This is a family. God wants to pour the Holy Spirit on the family. Not so you just speak in tongues, but so that you are endued with power. I'll get there in a few moments. This, Mary doesn't know where this is going to take her, but she's trusting in God that God will produce. And we, as, as a church, need to be able to trust in God and submit to His will and know that He will produce something. Okay? Now, all right. She's been talked to by the angel. Jesus is born. Jesus is beginning to minister. And I want you to go with me to John chapter 14. Because he's now alive. He's preaching. He's offering eternal life to those who are listening. So listen to what John, Jesus says in John chapter 14. First six verses. Pardon? Is it there? I can give you the... It's the part, the portion where Jesus speaks to his disciples. Let me, let me have my Bible. Thank you, dear. John, chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. This is Jesus talking in his ministry time. That where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas says, hold hold it, hold it, hold it. We don't know where you're going. How how do we know the way? And Jesus says in verse 6, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's Jesus saying to people that he's ministering to, you need to listen to me, because I'm telling you now who I am. And all the good things that Jesus has said to them, (coughs) they reject. They reject it all. And it's your choice. You don't have to accept Jesus. You can go on living your life just the way you want to. Okay? And I won't bother going through the trial because you know it's fake, but you can check the Gospels. It is a fake trial. Pilate looks at the people, the Jews who want him to crucify, and Pilate says, I don't find any fault in him. And they said, we don't care. We want you to kill him, crucify him. And Pilate says, wait a minute, i got a deal for you. 
I'm allowed to let a prisoner go every time this time of year. I'll give you Barabbas or I'll give you Jesus. And what do they cry? Give us Barabbas. Do you understand the hate that's going on in the Jewish nation against the Son of God who has come because Abraham way back then said, I'll I'll go along with this covenant. And they're telling Jesus they don't want him. And they yell out, crucify him, crucify him. So he's crucified. Do you remember the bloody mess of Abraham and his men? I want you to look at the bloody mess we have now. There are seven areas where Jesus in his body bled for you and for me. The first was when they put the crown of thorns on his head. All the thorns just crushed into his skin. He's bleeding from there. The second is when they just laid his back open with the whip. They called it a cat of nine tails. If you've ever seen it, it's, it's got a handle on it. And it's got rawhide strings. And then they've got these little metal stuff with little balls. And it just ripped him apart. That's two. They nailed his hands. That's two more. That's four. They nailed his feet. That's two more. That's six. And they shoved a spear in his side. That's seven. Do you remember the bloody mess that Abraham went through? Can I show you this bloody mess right now? Do you see the bloody mess that Jesus is now fulfilling according to the word of God? So that we could even have an Easter. Sometimes we forget where we are in in time. And I threw a little timeline in here just to bring you up to date. Because the time from Adam, when God created Adam and Eve, the time from Adam to Abraham was 2,000 years. The time from Abraham to Jesus was 2,000 years. The time from Jesus to today is 2,000 years. Every 2,000 years, God seems to do something great, doesn't he? Come on now, come on. What's the next best great thing that's about to happen right now? Come on. The rapture. This is the moment that we all have been waiting for, Dan. This is the moment where we know that the next step in the things of God that will bring us right into the presence of God is the rapture of the church, and somebody had to have a bloody mess for this to even happen. Well, I'm almost done. You know what that means when the preacher says he's almost done? (coughs) Absolutely nothing. (coughs) Easter is a bloody picture. But it's not over with yet. We're just beginning now with Easter. Because Jesus is in the grave. They've put the stone, they've locked him in with the big stone, right? But the scripture tells us something happens in that three-day period while he's there that we don't ever discuss for some reason. The Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ leaves his dead body, obviously, and breaks into hell. Can you see his foot just smashing the grave, the gates of hell? The gates of hell shall not prevail huh, against the Lord. He smashes the gates of hell. The demons begin to scream because they cannot stand being in the presence of holiness. <clears throat> And he goes to the compartment where all the souls and spirits of the righteous are waiting. Does anybody remember the name of that compartment, that righteous compartment? Come on. Come on, all you highfalutin, degreed Christians. What is the name of the compartment where everybody who loved God in the Old Testament went, waiting for the time for Jesus to come and get them? You don't know. You don't remember. It was called the bosom of Abraham. Are you with me? The bosom of Abraham. When Abraham died and all those other people died, they they didn't go into hell. There was a compartment for them, waiting. And Jesus opens the door to that compartment where they're all kept very nice and sound and clean. No no torture, no, no fire burning on them. And guess who meets Jesus as Jesus opens the door? Come on. Come on. Say it. 
Stick your neck out. Abraham. <laughs> Can't you see him, Rick? Jesus, nice to see you, man. I've been waiting for you for 2,000 years. Where have you been? A covenant was made with Abraham, with God. And Jesus breaks into that compartment of hell and takes Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and all the rest and Jake, all of those saints that had passed down but had been faithful to God. And the Bible says he leads them out of there. Scripture says, Paul says, he led them captivity captive. They were captive. Jesus took them in his arms and made them captive. He took them into the very presence of God. And he said, here, Dad, here's what the covenant of blood is all about. Here's what Easter's about. Here's why we celebrate. He took the righteous and brought them right to the Father. Then Jesus returns to the tomb, and in three days he comes out. Oh, Easter, isn't that wonderful? See, what we know about Easter is he died on the cross, buried in the tomb. Three days later he came out. Mary didn't really know who he was. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's not Easter. He comes out of the tomb. It's empty now. And the scripture says for the next 40 days, Jesus, tra Jesus travels around and he touches people as a new, new, regenerated body. Not the old body, a new body. And he touches people and they're healed. Blind eyes are opened. Legs are healed. For 40 days, he, is, he appears to people and he blesses them for a purpose. Go to Acts chapter 1, please. He blesses them. See, we're just starting Easter. You think this is over with. This is not. This is the beginning of Easter. And we go, we go to chapter 1 of the book of Acts. And gathering them together, Jesus, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me. <clears throat> for John baptized with water, <clears throat> but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And see, they're still waiting for a king to come and sit on a white horse and say, we're no through with the Roman Empire, we're done, we're kicking them out. It's not true. Jesus said, it's not for you to know the time or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now we're dealing with Easter. Jesus has just said to them in his now revived body, glorified body, here's what you're going to do to make everything I have done worthwhile. You're going to be endued with power. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Yeah, you're going to speak in tongues. Don't worry about that. But you're going to be my witnesses. That's new hope. We need to be endued with power from on high. Not so we can just speak in tongues. And I'm not against that. You know that. But so that we have the power of God to witness in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part. That's our job. That's what the covenant's all about. That's why he said to Abraham, I've got a covenant for you. That's Easter. Well, let me move on. Chapter 2, verse 4. It shows up. <clears throat> chapter 2, verse 4. Pardon? Yes, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Oh, I'm sorry. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Well, stay in chapter 2, because now we're dealing with Easter. And in verse 36 of chapter 2, some guy by the name of Peter just happened to be in that upper room. And this guy by the name of Peter happens to be a disciple. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit, AJ. And he knows, I'm Nick, I'm sorry. Uh, and he knows about this Jesus. And he heard that John was <clears throat> baptizing, but that Jesus would be baptizing. He is now baptized in the Holy Spirit. He comes out of that upper room. He comes down to the pulpit that they've given him. And he begins to preach in verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel, he's talking to Israel's, Know for certain God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, 
When they had heard this, they were pierced to the heart. They said to Peter, the rest of the day, Paul, Brother, what shall we do? Repent. They haven't heard that word before. Repent, Peter said to them, and each of you shall be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, your children, and for all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his, her, his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. That's Easter. This was the first sermon of record where someone was, some Jew was preaching to a whole flu of Jews because they were there for the Feast of Pentecost. He's got Jews in the audience. He is a Jew. He is now anointed and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he's saying this, Jesus died for this reason. This is Easter. This is the purpose of the cross. So that we now, anointed by the Holy Spirit, can go out and tell whatever world we're living in that Jesus Christ died for them. This was the first Christian sermon of record. And the first sermon brought 3,000 people to the Lord. That's Easter. This sermon, hear me, this sermon results in the beginning of the Christian religion. Did you know that? This sermon, right now, Peter's sermon, is the first time this kind of preaching was ever done. It is the beginning, right now, of the Christian religion, and the Christian religion is now worldwide. That's Easter! Easter is not Jesus just hanging on a cross. Oh, yes, it is. Easter is not getting nails in your hands and your feet. and a sword. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. Easter is not letting Jesus in, in that tomb for three days. Yes, it, Easter is not let, letting Jesus out of the tomb. It is, but that is not all that there is to Easter. This is Easter. Where, the, where Christianity was born. Where you and I now live. Easter now lives in Overton, Nevada. Because Jesus hung on that cross. Came out and gave Peter the anointing that he needed. To preach the first Christian sermon. That's Easter. Christianity. 2,000 years old now. 2,000 years old. It's the most powerful voice for God in the world. Go to John 3.16. And I'm closing now, I promise. It's only 12 o'clock noon. We got till 6. Easter. In John 3.16, God gives us these wonderful words. <clears throat> for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Wonderful. For God so loved the world that he asked Jesus to die for you and me. For God so loved the world that he asked Abraham to accept this covenant of blood. For God so loved the world that he asked Virgin Mary to submit to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. For God so loved the world that he asked Jesus to take all of our sins, yours and mine. He literally took your sin and my sin and took it upon himself and God couldn't even look at him. He had to turn his back because he couldn't stand to see his sinless son covered with yours and my sin. For God so loved the world that Jesus fulfilled the blood covenant that he made with Abraham 2,000 years prior. There has to be a beginning. 
And that beginning was with Abraham. For God so loved the world that through Jesus, he gave us Christianity. Please note that when Peter preached his sermon, he was preaching to Jews. But from that point, they weren't invited in the synagogues anymore. They became a separate entity called the Christian church. This is Easter. Easter is not, it is not one Sunday a year. Easter is every single day of our lives. Easter is Jesus Christ alive in you and alive in me. It is not just Sunday. We have chocolate bunny rabbit. I love chocolate bunny. So if you've got a chocolate rabbit. Easter is not just an egg hunt. I love that. But that's not Easter. God said to his son Jesus before the foundation of the earth he looked at all of us and God said son they're all going to sin are you willing to die before the foundation of the earth Peter tells us and Jesus said yes it started then in the, in the realm of the spirit but it started in the realm of the flesh with Abraham and Abraham said yes Are you ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus Christ? Or is this the moment that God has given to you? He brought you here on purpose? I don't know. To say yes to Jesus. See, it's your choice. No one stands with a gun to your head and say, you better accept Christ right now or else. No, 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 no. Jesus had the gun to his head, so to speak, when he hung on the cross for you and me. And he was saying to all of us, take a look at me. Because if you want me, you can have me. If you want eternal life, you can have eternal life. Just believe in what my Father and the Holy Spirit agreed to before we ever said, let there be light. That's Easter. I don't know what you need. I know what I need. I need more of the Holy Spirit in my life. Amen? I don't know what your needs are, but I do know this, and I think you'll agree with me. God wants, God has a covenant that he'd like to share with you. That covenant brings Christ into your life, and you may have already done that, but it goes on from there. Because others may have, you may have other needs. If you're here this morning, and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, there's a covenant. It's called Easter. It's called Jesus dying on the cross for your sins and for mine. Amen? Dave, please. Oh, how he loves you. And me. And me. Please know that's true. Please. Oh, how he loves you. And me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He gave his, his life. life. What more? What more? What more could he give? Yes. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you. Everybody sing that with Dave. Come on, everybody. Sing that song. Sing it with your heart. Oh, how he loves. He loves you. Come on, sing it. Open your mouth. Sing it. Oh, there's no words. Okay. Oh, how he loves you and me. Those are the words. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves, he loves you, you and me. And me. He gave his life. Oh, come on, sing it. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. How he loves you. I want you to just bow your heads for a moment. I want you to close your eyes. I want this to be very personal. I'm going to pray, 
And I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me, what we call in church work, the sinner's prayer. It's just asking God to forgive us. I don't know whether you know the Lord or not, and I'm not, I'm not trying to single you out, but I, I want you to keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Let me lead you, and you respond after me. Will you do that for me, please? Here we go. Heavenly Father, come on. I'm a sinner. I know it. I admit it. And without you in my life, I will not go to heaven. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. The sin I was born with and the sins I've committed. Wash me clean in your blood. And from this day forward, help me to serve you to the best of my ability. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to look at me. That prayer, those words, are absolutely worthless unless you meant it. Because if you meant it, God was doing this. I heard that. I heard that. God's, I heard that. If you meant it, you just gave your life to Christ. It doesn't have to be a big thing. You don't have to run. And I have no problem with altar calls, okay? I'm just telling you. God just grabbed a hold of you if you meant that prayer. And I want to believe with you that from this day forward, you will never be the same person again. For some of you, you've known the Lord, but that prayer is kind of a rejuvenation thing. You're saying, you know what, you and I need to get closer. Yes, yes. That prayer will bring you closer. That prayer will give you the direction that the Holy Spirit wants you to have. The Holy Spirit came on Mary because he had a job for her to do. The Holy Spirit needs to come on us because we have a job to do. Amen? So I want you to believe in what you just prayed.